Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us for some more incredible stories. If you are a new listener, welcome. We're glad to have you here with us. Go ahead, sit back, relax, get yourself a snack, and enjoy some incredible stories. And if perchance you happen to enjoy what you're listening to, well, guess what? You can hit that like and subscribe button and you will have access to all of our fantastic stories and every friday you will be treated to more and more new stories so please take advantage of that and uh join us and the rest of the group for uh some more good stuff so what do we have for today well we're going to meet a new mexico cowboy from um the uh, late uh, 19th century early 20th century and his name was george mcjunkin have you ever heard of him? I have no clue who that is. Okay, and I bet uh, you folks who are listening in, you probably haven't heard of him either because he's not all that well-known. In fact, he's largely been erased from U.S. history, and, and, and that's a real shame because guess what? He has made a major contribution. Oh, and what's that? Okay. Um, he made an incredible discovery that altered the way that we understand the development of the North American continent. Ooh. But he never got credit for it. Oh. And so now, more than 100 years after his desk, uh, death, uh, we have to ask ourselves, uh, how did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? Why is that? What's going on here? Well, first of all, <clears throat> George McJunkin was an African-American cowboy. Uh-huh. And I, th- I don't think a lot of folks, even uh, you know our Wild West fans here in the United States, realized that there was a huge african-american population out in the west they probably don't realize that because um remember bass reeves the united states deputy marshal yep yep inspiration for the lone ranger yep he was african-american george mcjunkin was african-american and so were most of the buffalo soldiers except for their officers now there was a lot of um african-american cattle ranchers in the Southwest, too, mm-hmm. wasn't there? And and McJunkin was one of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think a lot of people are really, um, you know, aware of this. Now, he was uh, roving around the northern parts of New Mexico toward the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th, as I mentioned earlier. He was born in Texas in 1851, and, of course, that was uh, at a time when there was still slavery here in the United States. Texas right. was a slave state. So he was born into slavery, and... Um, uh, spent a good deal of his childhood uh, in slavery. Wow. But, of course, after the Civil War, which ended in 1865, that would have made him about 14 years old, I think. Yeah. Uh, he um, headed out for New Mexico, and he wanted to plan a brand-new life that uh, experienced freedom. Oh, you know, a nice free life, something totally different. Uh, and he had spent his whole life near horses. Uh, he, he was good with ropes. His dad had been a blacksmith, by the way, uh, one, of the really? pl- one of the plantation blacksmiths. So uh, it wasn't hard for him to 
establish himself as a as a cowboy. Um, but he was more than a cowboy, Gary. Oh, do tell. <clears throat> he was not the kind of guy that would just uh, work the ranch and then chill out in the bunkhouse or whatever. He spent his spare time learning how to read. Oh. George McChunkin wanted to learn how to read. Guess what? He went on to learn how to speak Spanish. Really? Yeah. Sounds like a real intelligent guy. Yeah, and because, of course, there were a lot of uh, folks who were of Spanish descent there, too. So uh, that would be easy enough to come in contact with Spanish speakers and, and start to pick up the Spanish language. And then he also had an interest in music, and he began to learn how to play some tunes on his fiddle. Really? Mm-hmm. Is he starting to sound like a guy of many interests? He sounds like a renaissance man, you know, the kind of guy say, who's yeah. really into learning and developing a lot of different types of skills. Yep. And he liked collections. Ooh, does that sound familiar, Gary? Can you understand why some people enjoy collecting things? I can. I'm a collector, too. Yes, you are. Not a hoarder. I'm not a hoarder. I'm just a collector. Yeah. So in some ways, uh, George uh, reminded me of you. Uh, because he collected this, he collected that. Uh, I also played the violin. And that's right. That's right. There's another uh, another way that uh, you're similar to George McJunkin. <clears throat> so um, let's go ahead and go back to his career. We know now know how he spent some of his leisure time. Uh, he started taking on more and more responsibility, and eventually he got bumped up to manager of a place called the Crowfoot Ranch, and this was just outside of a place called Folsom, New Mexico. Oh, yeah. And this is where George McJunkin, who you call a Renaissance man, would make a discovery that would rewrite history. Oh, do tell. <laughs> do tell. Here comes the incredible story. <clears throat> it all started in 1908. Mm. On August 27th, as a matter of fact. Oh, the weather was horrible that day. I wonder if we have any thunder or lightning in there. <laughs> yeah, let me check. Go ahead. You can continue with your story. I'll, I'll find the wind. Okay. The weather was horrible. No, that's not it. <laughs> well, maybe not that horrible. No. <laughs> nope, that's... that's. Oh. Nope, that's blood. <laughs> Walking. Folks, you're getting treated to the Richard and Gary's incredible stories, sound effects. Well, uh, I don't have wind, but I got that one. Okay, right. <laughs> a little bit of thunder. Well, uh, that's appropriate because okay. there was an intense rainfall that day. Okay, well, let me give you some more thunder. Huge oh. levels of water were surging through the area. <clears throat> it was the most disastrous flood in memory. A little more thunder, if you please. Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. Now, <clears throat> newspaper reports uh, actually uh, told us how bad things were in the wake of that flood. Water was gushing through the streets and houses, workplaces. They were left in total disrepair. Citizens had actually been had to go up on top of their roofs, Gary. Oh, my gosh. Uh, to uh, avoid the flood. Can you imagine that in New Mexico? No, I really couldn't. That would be... In New Mexico? Oh, jeez. Uh, you know, that just doesn't happen in New Mexico. People going up to their roofs to be safe from floodwaters. Yeah, that's pretty <clears throat> bad. And not everybody 
made it to their roof because they weren't used to floods in New Mexico. <laughs> 17 people actually died that day. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think last year something similar occurred uh, at Yellowstone National Park. But anyways, once the weather cleared up, the floodwaters, as they always do, they eventually uh, subside. He needed to go ahead and reconnoiter the ranch to see what had happened and what had been, you know, sure. uh, harmed and what had uh, stayed in place. So um, he and a pal by the name of Bill Gordon went to uh, reconnoiter the ranch. And uh, while they were doing so, uh, Bill Gordon, <laughs> he noticed that in uh, one area there was a new waterway that had been formed based from the flooding. Oh, so now you had some kind of like flowing small stream where before there had yeah. been no stream, right? Right. <clears throat> so um, McJunkin uh, took a look, and uh, that's when he spotted him. What did he spot? He spotted uh, a pile of enormous bones. Enormous bones. Oh, my gosh. Now, these bones looked like they belonged to a buffalo, but, Gary, they were larger than any buffalo he'd ever seen. Oh, were they? Something strange was going on here. Now, natural science was also one of George McJunkin's interests. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was truly the Renaissance man, right? And so he sure. liked natural science. And he had a, the idea that these bison bones were really important. He, he couldn't tell exactly why, but he, he figured they might have been really important. Uh, he said, you know, they were so huge that they simply couldn't have come from any species that was still alive during his time. Well, of course. So, um, you know, he started thinking about all of this, and he decided he'd uh, pack up these bones and take them back home. And right. guess what? He started a huge bone collection. Oh. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, no one else seemed to care about George's large bone collection. Right. So 14 years passed. He tried to get people to come and look at his collection and to investigate that area where he had found them, but no one was interested. Nobody bothered to even come. So now we're in 1922, and George McClunkin passed away. Oh, no. Yep. Um, and his massive bone collection, I have no idea what happened to it, but uh, he passed away <clears throat> never knowing what the significance of his find was. But only six months later, yeah, in 1922, one of those experts that he had asked to come visit finally did so. And his name was Carl Schwachheim. Uh, and, his and his team uh, couldn't believe what they were looking at. Uh, he, he looked at these giant bison bones, and it was just unbelievable. But then, that's all. That's all that happened there. Nothing much happened for a number of years after that. Oh. <clears throat> and so then it was 1926. Now we're about four years after George had passed away. Yeah, and uh, one of that team members that was with Carl Schweichheim uh, convinced an expert at the Colorado Museum of Natural History to come look at the site. 
That person was named J.D. Figgins. Now, J.D. Figgins instantly realized that this was an archaeological find of epic proportions. Oh, epic proportions. Dun, 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 dun. <clears throat> Worthy of Indiana Jones' attention, right? Oh. Figgins uh, knew uh, that he was onto something here, and McJunkin had, McJunkin had been right. The bones belong to an extinct species of bison. Really? Yeah. So Figgins picked up about 30 more pounds of, um, you know, the, the bones. And during the summer of 1926, archaeologists were working on the site. And then, Gary. What happened? As if this wasn't exciting enough, they discovered something even more curious. Oh, what was it? As they were digging up the ground, one of the team members brought up an artifact to the surface, and guess what? What was it? The head of a spear. Oh, so there were groups of people living out there. Yes, indeedy. So a spear does not go with a giant extinct bison unless... Somebody's hunting it. Somebody is... Hunting it, yes. Somebody, humans, also had to be present. Yes. And uh, it was during that second dig that another spearhead was found. Not one. Now we have two. So the oh. archaeological uh, scientists, they, they said, yep, the spearheads had belonged to human beings. And since they had been si uh, found right alongside the extinct bison bones, the implication was Beyond question, people had been around a long, long time ago. Oh, longer than probably previously thought. Mm, that's right. That's right, because they started dating all of this stuff back 11,000 years. Wow. And, and back then, the experts believed that humans had only been in the Americas for around 3,000 years. So guess what? George McJunkins discovery of extinct bison bones that he put in his collection and nothing ever came of it after that for a long time actually were proof that uh, humans had been there 8,000 years earlier than anybody believed. That is crazy. And of course, George never knew about the spears. Of course not. Uh, so, um, Obviously, the entire archaeological history was rewritten as a result of what was found at the Folsom site, and at the Folsom site is world famous today. And without our cowboy hero, George McJunkin, none of this would have happened. Now, I'll tell you what, he didn't go totally, um, you know, into oblivion uh, after, after all of this. Uh, in 2019, he was added to the Hall of Great Westerners. For his contribution. Yeah, and that's managed by the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. So, but golly, it took, uh, you know, a long time for him to get his recognition over 100 years. Oh, yeah, that's a but long time. Tonight, because his incredible story is reaching around the world on this podcast, more people will know his name and the part he played in writing ancient American history. So George McJunkin, Gary, can be celebrated as an extraordinary man. Let's call him incredible. An incredible man whose inquiring mind, his intrepid spirit, and perseverance, along with his finds, would transform archaeological history forever. forever.
America. Isn't that terrific? I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. I really do. I think yeah. that's phenomenal. Love the story. I do too. I think it's a great story. That is awesome. Well, until next time. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. <laughs>